and welcome to the 28th episode of Catch Up on Kids' Mental Health. I'm Janet Morrison. In this episode, I'm going to talk about children and their relationship with their bodies, and also their relationship with other people's bodies. Infants and small children are infinitely curious. They touch, sniff, taste, poke, pull, and rub just about everything they see and are able to reach. Children's bodies are no different, and they are compelling sources of interest, and children spend lots of time exploring their toes, fingers, mouths, eyes, ears, and genitals. Bodies are not only objects of interest, but sources of stimulation, comfort, and soothing. Many children fall asleep while sucking their fingers, playing with their hair, or rubbing their genitals, just as many fall asleep with the aid of soothers, bottles, and blankets. These self-exploratory and self-soothing behaviors are not sexual in the sense of adult sexual behavior, which, of course, usually involves another person as an object of desire and has orgasm as its goal. Children are not only curious about their own bodies, but about other people's bodies as well. They explore their parents' faces, hair, and fingers, and later become curious about their breasts and genitals. Do they have the same genitals as their parents? How are they different? Why are they different? Children look at other children's genitals while going to the bathroom or changing. They are endlessly curious about penises and vaginas, how babies are made, how peeing and pooping happens, and why there's a lot of talk and concern about everyone's privates. Later, when children have the opportunity to be alone with siblings and friends, they often examine one another's genitals, an activity commonly referred to as playing doctor. They might insert objects into their own or their friend's rectum or vagina to see how they work. It's common for older children to draw pictures of breasts, penises, rectums, and vaginas and search out other words for them. Exploration and curiosity about all bodily functions, including sex and reproduction, are normal and healthy. And experts encourage parents to provide information to their children, to answer their questions, and to refrain from punishing or shaming them when they touch themselves or engage in play with siblings or peers. The common wisdom today is that children should be allowed to touch their genitals in private and told this explicitly. When discovering children engaged in play together, it's recommended that parents calmly remind the children that they are not to touch other people's genitals or allow others to touch theirs. That admonishment, plus a follow-up conversation to find out what it was the children were seeking to find out, is usually enough to end the behavior. Tony Cavanaugh-Johnson, a clinical psychologist with considerable expertise in children's sexual development, has written two volumes. The first, Understanding Children's Sexual Behaviors, What's Natural and Healthy, and the other one is Helping Children with Sexual Behavior Problems. Dr. Cavanaugh lists a number of factors which can assist parents and teachers to assess whether children's behavior is healthy and normal or problematic. These things include whether the activity is periodic and is only one activity among many others, that it's not driven 
or a preoccupation. That the behavior is easily interrupted by an adult and is not associated with shame, fear, or guilt. That children engaging in body exploration together are close in age and play together frequently. They're not strangers. That the play is spontaneous and doesn't involve any form of threat, bribe, or other form of coercion. The play does not involve adult-type sexual activities or indicate precocious knowledge about sex. When children are preoccupied with sexual activity or demonstrate a precocious knowledge of sex, when they direct their behavior towards adults or much younger children, when they attempt to coerce or hurt other children, involve animals, or appear furtive, sneaky about their behavior, they may be signaling a very serious problem. This kind of behavior suggests that the children have been exposed to some form of inappropriate sexual stimulation, such as pornography, witnessing adult sexual activity, or perhaps been the victim of sexual abuse. Parents who are uncomfortable about talking directly to their child should discuss their concerns with their family doctor and make a determination about calling the Children's Aid Society. Teachers have an obligation to call Child Protective Services directly and allow their staff, the Child Protective Services staff, to make the determination whether an investigation is warranted. Sexual abuse is associated with very serious social-emotional learning difficulties in childhood and serious mental health problems, poor physical health, unemployment, and even incarceration in adulthood. As well, parents who offend sexually are very likely to have suffered sexual abuse in their own childhood. Children who've been abused, who are being abused, need help, and they need help right now. The differences between children who are engaging in healthy play involving their bodies and children who are displaying symptoms of sexual interference are very marked and very significant. In the first instance, the children are happy, exuberant, curious, uh, and spontaneous. In the second instance, the children are joyless, preoccupied, and reenacting something they didn't want and don't understand. Sensual pleasure, affection, love, and sexual desire develop and change over the course of the entire lifespan. These are very different feelings with very different motivations, but they all are expressed physically with our bodies. The more comfortable we are with our bodies, the more comfortable we will be able to give and receive physical affection, sensual, and sexual pleasure. I hope this was helpful. That's it for this time. Please subscribe to Catch Up on Kids Mental Health wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Janet Morrison.